I know you have heard this before. Work smarter, not harder. Ford has heard it too. That's why the Ford F-150 truck helps you get the job done in the smartest way possible. I mean, the pro-access tailgate alone is a game changer. It improves access to the bed and cargo, which makes it easier to load in tight spaces. See? Smarter. It's also got a mobile power source and pro power on board, so you can power up to 7.2 kilowatts outside your F-150 truck. That is definitely working smarter. And imagine what you can do with that power at your next tailgate party. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Welcome to Talk is Jericho's The Pot of Thunder and Rock and Roll. Let's get the weekend started with the Duff McKagan joke of the week. Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan calling you. I'm on the beach. I'm not kidding you. In Hawaii right now. Do the waves breaking with Susan. She looks amazing. She says hi. Hope everybody's good there. Hey, you know when your girlfriend comes home in a white suit, covered in bee stings, smelling like honey, you know she's a keeper. Thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs> I like that one. It was funny. And for the record, Duff did not forget us last week. We gave him a week off to record a special episode that you heard live from the old haunted Anderson Hotel. If you didn't hear it, it was me, Dr. Luther, and Jeff Waldridge, who runs ghost tours at that hotel. He's basically a caretaker. It was creepy. There's no power. It was cold. It was dark. And it is uh, one of the best, uh, most special episodes I've ever done on Talk is Jericho, especially if you like the paranormal ones. So check that out. And check out today. It's the other side of the coin. Victoria Fuller is here, a former Playboy Playmate. Playmate of the Month, January 1996. She's got lots of great stories about Hugh Hefner and the Playboy Mansion. She's talking about how she became a Playmate and some of the really cool things she got to do when she was a part of the Playboy family, like guest in episodes of Married with Children and Friends and starring Weezer's music video for Beverly Hills. Victoria and her ex-husband also made it to the top five on The Amazing Race. She goes into detail about what that whole experience is really like and the stuff you don't see on camera. And if you're wondering what she's doing now, she's doing NFTs and crypto. She's the founder and creator of Rogue Bunnies. They do limited edition digitally hand-painted NFT trading cards featuring all former Playboy Playmates. She created this whole metaverse. She's going to tell us all about that. And you can check it out on your own at RogueBunnies.com. They're about to drop Series 2 of their NFT trading cards later this month. So let's get into it. Playboy, Hef, and the Mansion with Victoria Fuller. Playmate of the Month, January 1996. Right here, right now on Talk is Jericho. All right. Um, we will just jump right into it here with Victoria Fuller. Uh, Playboy Playmate, January 96. And more importantly... 
You were uh, one of the Biggins girls on Married with Children. <laughs> I was. I was on the season finale. <laughs> I always love that. That that's the name of a of a, a men's magazine. Biggins. Biggins. Yep. <laughs> How was that? How did that work? That was fun because it was like a two day shoot, and it was like Cindy Crawford and Bo. Remember Bo knows whatever. Like yeah, oh, Bo yeah. Jackson. Bo Jackson. Yeah, he was there. So there was like extra people involved in stuff with the two part ending. And so it was fun. And that's kind of, that's kind of how it is when, when you were kind of in the playboy world, it's like you become a celebrity and get to do all those cool sorts of shows. And anytime they need like girls to do things like that, they kind of would, would look to, to playboy to fill the roles. Right. They did. I mean, we still actually went and auditioned, which was silly because, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, the, the audition would go like this. Wear a bathing suit under your dress. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, right? That's when you know you have no speaking lines and they really don't care about much except for that you just look like the, the playmate. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's kind of the, you know, the, 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 I guess the cliched playboy playmate of just like, you know, like you said, just show up in a bikini. And, and I think there's, there's such name value to just being a playmate per se that, like I said, that kind of puts you in, in a different level when it comes to those sorts of auditions and things. Yeah, well, certainly I hadn't set out to be an actress, but once you become a playmate, then you get sent over to Playmate Promotions, which is their own talent department, basically. They don't have it anymore, but um, at the time, and then they would just send you out on everything. So I was I was going out on audition, like all kinds of auditions for all kinds of stuff. There was sometimes I just wouldn't show up. I'd be like, no, I'm not doing that. But I didn't want to say anything. I didn't know the protocol. You know, I just, right, 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 right. What other stuff did you do? Do you remember some of the other things that you did do? Um, I didn't like anything where it was impromptu, like where or where I like had to like create my own dialogue. <laughs> I didn't want to mm -hmm. do anything like that because I just didn't want the pressure. And I really just had a couple shows that I wanted to be on. I wanted to be on Married with Children. I wanted to be on Friends. I wanted to be, there was a couple, I can't even remember now, but <laughs> I wanted, there was like a couple that I just wanted to be on. So I would, I went on the auditions many, many times for like Married with Children. I think I went on the audition like four times. Mm -hmm. And then I think on that one, finally, I said, I'm not showing up again in my dress with my bikini on. They know what I look like. And um, they can hire me from here on out because they've I've undressed in front of them like five times now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they did hire me for that one without having to come in because I was being a little snooty about it. But that didn't mostly work for going forward. <laughs> did you do any other ones? Like, do you mention Friends? Were you on anything else like that? Yeah, I was on Friends. I was no on, kidding. Yeah. NYPD Blue. I was. Oh, gosh, I don't I don't remember all the stuff. Mayor, um, what was the one with uh the girls in New York City. Oh my God! Oh, Sex in the City. Sex in the City. Yes. Uh, Entourage. So you did all. You did all of them. You ran the gamut. Well, they filmed at the mansion a lot. So. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, and I did a Weezer video because the, the Weezer video was fun because they had like I guess because they're all very nerdy, the their yeah. fans or whatever. So they did a sweepstakes where you could win to be in one of the videos, and so they had to do they had to win a video game to be inside of the video for. Weezer. And so the winners were brought up to the Playboy Mansion on a bus. They weren't told where they were going. So when they were brought up on the bus, there was 20 Playboy bunnies there, like dressed in next to nothing going, come on, let's party. And they were just like, uh, and that was kind of the whole video was them kind of being like this and us being like this. And so the funny part was, is that, so I went into 
the wardrobe and they put like a white dress on me. It was very short. Like I couldn't bend over anything and a cowboy hat. And I was like, okay, but I don't have any underwear on because I didn't mm-hmm. have any. I came in a robe, right? So right. they said, oh, don't worry, whatever. And I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be so awkward. So I'm like, okay. I mean, like, I'm not shy or anything. I just didn't want to, you know, hurt anybody. But um, so, you know, the great lawn in the, in the mansion, like, yes. there's a great lawn and it's very, you know, it's like in steps or whatever. So of course they have me there in the middle of the lawn with people above me and below me and I have no underwear on. We're filming and just everybody saw everything. <laughs> there was just nothing I could do. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember what song it was for? For Weezer? Living in Beverly Hills. Oh, that okay. Wow. Yeah. So it's actually I think it's called Beverly Hills. Yeah, yeah. So gotcha. yeah, it was really it was actually really fun. So yeah, I got to do like a ton of really cool stuff like that all the time, even though I was not trying to be an actress, but I did because I was in Playboy, I was able to leverage that to get myself into the on the amazing race. Mm. <laughs> so so I um I was trying to get on Survivor and I got all the way from two hundred and fifty thousand people down to the last eighteen and then they chose sixteen out of the eighteen and I didn't, didn't it. make it to the sixteen. <laughs> so I did the whole sequester for ten days and and um so I kind of had met the um casting and they said well would you be interested in doing the amazing race and i'm like oh it sounds like so much work but yeah i guess i would do that so i did the whole sequester thing again and then you know all the right channels and then got chosen with my ex-husband at the time to do that but yeah so and then celebrity fear factor we did that which was like a week yeah so i did a bunch of you know reality stuff that just kind of snowballed when I wasn't trying to be a reality star either, but certainly got that title. Well, let's talk about this. I've, I've done over 900 episodes of Talk is Jericho. And I've never had anybody on that did The Amazing Race. So, oh, really? No, oh never. God. So kind of tell us kind it's of how... season 5,000. I know, exactly, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's, it's like Dancing with the Stars. They have three or four seasons per year. So many. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So kind of tell me about this. So, so once again, and this is kind of the thing with the reality vibe is you have to sequester, like you mentioned, so you don't get a phone... You don't get to know anything that's going on in the outside world. What is the reasoning for that? Um, They want to do psychological testing on you. They want to see where your breaking points are. They want to see how you deal with not having contact with your family, you know, Mm -hmm. because when you're on the race, I think it's like a solid, there's 39 days where you're actually, where the race runs. If you get off early, whether it's the first mat or the whatever it is, whatever place you get, you go to a place called Sequesterville, which is usually some kind of a... um, we went to Cancun. So it was, it's usually a resort in some country where you go and you you already pre-pack for this. So you pack whatever you're going to have. Any money that you want to have with you there, you actually give to them before you go. So you oh. give them cash or credit cards in an envelope. So when you get out and you get to Sequesterville that you have money and things that you can like whatever. They pay for your food and like some incidentals and some drinks and dinners and stuff. But anything else that you want to do and you're not allowed to call anybody still even when you're there but of course what i did with my money is i went down to the neighboring hotel and bought a calling card and called everybody that i knew and (laughs) you know checked in with everybody i'm sure a lot of other people did the same but they don't want anybody to know what place you've been in you know they don't want to give it away so they don't even want you to tell your family and friends but um yeah a lot happens in 39 days when you're gone away from your life and and your business um, a lot of stuff happens. I mean, just being on a plane with no Wi-Fi for two hours is like the worst thing now. You know what I mean? Like imagine weeks on end. Yeah, it was a it was a really great experience. And mostly because 
I got to see things in a way that I would have never done. Even if I was super wealthy and I traveled the world, I would have not been able to see the country's culture in the way that I got to see it, which was one of the main things that the show is about, is about kind of visiting the cultures of these different countries and immersing yourself in them. So like places like Ethiopia and Senegal and like the history of those places and stuff, I never would have been there or thought to go there or any of that you know it's it's not as comfortable as some of these other resorts and stuff but certainly the experience that i took away from it was really amazing obviously i'm familiar with with you know the the franchise and everything that but what exactly for those who don't know like what do you have to do is it like a giant scavenger hunt or do you have to like is that kind of what it is so basically they start you off in um, sequester city, wherever you're sequestered and they, they, and then they take you to wherever the start city is. For us, it was Chicago. We started and ended in Chicago, which they never do. So it was like a trick, mm-hmm. right? So we left from Chicago and basically they give you clues and you have um, you and your partner and then your sound guy and the camera guy. And so every leg from mat to mat is one leg of the race. And that could take anywhere from 24 to 48 hours to complete. And so they give you, it could take 72 hours. There's some that were really long and it was like, Oh my God, are we ever going to sleep in a bed again? (laughs) But, um, they give you all these clues and they tell you where you need to go. But there's some clues that you read off camera that you never hear on camera. Cause sometimes you're like, why didn't they just do this or why? Mm -hmm. Well, they probably weren't allowed to, or there was reasons in the rules of why they weren't able to do certain things. And they do that to create drama, but you have to actually book your flight for you, your partner, your sound guy, and your and your camera guy and you get a credit card from the crew to do this. Now, the thing is, is that you want to, you could book a bunch of first class tickets if you want, Mm -hmm. you could do that. But the, the problem is, is that credit card has a limit and it could cut off. So you don't want to do anything crazy. So you want to just book your tickets. You want to, you know, do whatever. And then, um, so you do have to organize all that. And there's certain airports that you're not allowed to go through and certain connecting flights that they don't want you to have, because it would seem like that people can get lost in the, in the earth and they would have to go all over to find us. But they, it really is a gauntlet where there really is only so many decisions you can make and they know all the different ways that you could go. And they have people waiting for you Hmm. in those places, security and everything else. You never see security. Sometimes you do, but you never like, sometimes you'll see them build back away. Like all of a sudden they'll disappear behind a corner or something, but they're always there because you're 24 hours. A lot of times out in the world on the street, on a curb, you know, mm-hmm. and then once you get to the mat, you hand in all of your stuff and all your things. They want you to, they don't want you to keep anything receipts, any tickets you didn't use. They want to refund them right away. They check all the money that you have on you to just count it up and they go through all your bags and everything. And then a lot of times they'll send you to a, either a hotel or some kind of a tent where there's kind of cots and you can mm-hmm. lay there and like there's food and stuff like that. So they'll take care of you from once you get to the mat, if you're not eliminated, they'll take care of you to get to the next mat. So it's usually 12 hours and then you leave again or 24 hours and then you leave again. So it's pretty intense. And the adrenaline, I have to say, from the second they say go, it's there. Mm. It's like right here all the time, you know, but it's an exciting adrenaline where you're like, yes, this is great. And when it stops, you know, because we're all there at the at the end mat when all the three finalists come in and stuff we clap them on and everything right and then they do a couple things and then the show ends the cameras turn off and everybody gets into the van and they take us to the hotel we were in chicago you spend the night you get up and and then you have cabs waiting you get to the hotel you get to the airport so we got to the airport we go home we 
we get it home and I lay in bed and it's so quiet <laughs> and there's no cords and cameras and buzzing and things and people and, you know, like all this activity going on. I have to tell you, I've never felt so depressed in my entire yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because all that attention's on you mm -hmm. all, and the whole world's watching you because you're racing. People are like, why is there cameras? Everybody wants to know what's going on. So every, it's like everybody's following you. And um, so, yeah, so when you stop and the cameras end, is it's quite shocking. And everybody says they kind of go through like a little bit of a dark period where you're just like a couple of days going, what is my purpose? What do I, right. what do, I do with myself now? Mm -hmm. You know, because anything you do for two weeks or more kind of sets like, this is your life. Sure. You know what I mean? Kind of ground you like, okay, this is my, this is my, um, my routine here. So yeah, it's very shocking when it ends. I had the same thing. I did dance with the stars and I think it was like seven weeks, but you know, oh, you're, you're three weeks before that and it's every day and it's yeah, eight hours. A long, and, a long preparation. Three weeks before. And then during the show, it's six days a week and you got to put in eight hours. You have to, it's just the way it is. But when you get eliminated, it's the same as what you just said. Like we have withdrawals. Like I've got nothing to do today. What time is dance practice? When's the media? When's the press? When am I on the Tonight Show? It's like no. Yeah, there's so you're much. Done. There's so much information, right? Yeah. That they give you that, that the that the public never sees. It's kind of interesting to see how these shows work. It's very intricate. You know, it's putting it mm -hmm. on, especially the more people there are. You guys have costumes, sure. and lighting, and songs, and timing, and like all kinds of stuff. So it's very like. I mean, that shows must be very hard to produce, but yeah, it's, it's when the cameras turn off, it's pretty depressing. Valentine's day is here. And if you're scrambling for a cool gift for your Valentine, urban stems has your back schedule your flower delivery in advance and skip the last minute, disappointing grocery store flowers, go to urbanstems.com and use promo code Jericho to get 15% off. Urban Stems is super easy. They deliver modern bouquets and unique gifts next day nationwide. I really just said next day delivery. You did not hear me wrong. We got an amazing bouquet from Urban Stems. I'm going to post it on the Talk is Jericho Twitter so you can see these flowers for yourself. Urban Stems create one-of-a-kind arrangements you won't find anywhere else. And what you see is what you get, meaning you'll receive exactly what you order from their website, modern, high-quality bouquets with the freshest flowers. They even have a 100% happiness guarantee, so if you're not happy for any reason, Urban Stems will make it right. Every Urban Stems bouquet is designed in-house, and every delivery includes a personalized note to your recipient's thoughtfully designed packaging and that 100 happiness guarantee I was talking about and they've got a great Valentine's Day collection so take your pick from a variety of bouquets plants and floral subscription offers at urbanstems.com and use the promo code Jericho for 15% off that's urbanstems.com promo code Jericho for 15% off all right, there are some seriously talented luchadors in AEW, and not all of them speak English, which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos. Eh, amigas, see, already learning. Haha, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW like Takeshita. So having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key. And learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. 
sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. How do you get eliminated from from Amazing Race? So you get to the mat last. Oh, so you like basically you finish last in the race. You finish last for that leg. Gotcha. So each leg is, like I said, between 24 and even seven. There's a couple that were 72 hours where you're actually racing that whole time. Like you're just trying to like you sleep on the plane, you sleep on the train, you know, you just kind of do. And then um, every time you get to the end and you don't get eliminated, the teams go on and whoever gets eliminated gets sent to Cancun in our case, like to the sequester bill it's very it sounds exciting it's very depressing yeah. they're all when you get there everyone's like oh you know <laughs> yeah, like right. well oh. i believe we were the last team to get there because we got fifth place but we were a double elimination so we made it all the way and there's 11 episodes we made it to the 10th episode gotcha right? so we made it every episode so we were in sequesterville for like a week or something we were actually there but it, it felt very brief and then they bring everybody back and you know have to mm. continue the filming and stuff but yeah <laughs> Well, it's it's, it's, it's it's cool to hear that. And there's lots of stuff to talk about with you. Obviously, I want to talk about your NFTs, but let's talk about what got you to the dance in the first place. And that's another thing that I've never discussed on the show is actually becoming a Playboy Playmate. Talk about another whirlwind experience, I'm sure. How does one, and obviously it's changed now because print magazines are kind of gone and, and there's a different way of doing things. But how was it for you back in 96 how did you become a playmate? Yeah. So, well, it would probably go back to when I was nine years old and I used to see, of course, my stepfather got playboys and I saw them or whatever, but that wasn't the big thing. It was seeing Hugh Hefner on television all the time, right, you know, right, what right, we had sure. nine channels and channel U or whatever it was. So I would always see him on the news and these roller skatings with these beautiful women. They're all, I mean, they look like they're having their time of their life. So I thought Howard, I thought Hugh Hefner was Howard Hughes, the richest man in the world. So I had my sights set on, I was going to work for this man and I was going to be a bunny. Cause I thought that's what I thought he was the richest man in the world. So I was going to go work for him. So that was my idea. I was going to be in the Louvre. <laughs> I was going to be a playboy bunny. And I told my parents, because my triple great grandfather was in the Louvre, he's an artist, blah, blah, blah. Is he so really? I, wow. And so I thought, I want to follow that as an artist, but I want to probably do it with a little fun by being a bunny and like having this man like bring my world together. I don't know, at nine years old, I thought that. And so when I was like 21 or 22, I sent pictures in and they sent me a letter. They said, no, you're not what we're looking for. And then my girlfriend, she was doing this box cover shoot and it was just for some topless box cover and she's really pretty blonde and she said i'm really sick i can't make it and i can't i have to, you have to take my place and i said sure i'll do it i don't care you know whatever and so the scout for playboy was there and so that was it and i was like well i've already tried out she's like oh well i could get you in i'm like nah that's all right i've already tried out and it was pretty humiliating so that's okay it's fine it's lifelong dream that I'm going to have to put away in a drawer, but that's fine, you know? And, uh, but, um, they called me the next day and they asked me to come in and they actually had me sign a contract. I, I don't even think I read it. I was just like, whatever, where do I sign? Because this is what I'm doing. You know, I was so stupid, but it all worked out. 
um, really, really well because it did launch my art career in, in a ways that I would, hadn't even imagined. Of course, Hugh Hefner wasn't Hugh Howard Hughes. He thought that was very cute. But I did go to him with my portfolio as soon as I was in Playboy and I was able to meet him. And I said, I'm going to bring you my portfolio. I want to work for the magazine. That was my goal. Like being a playmate was one thing, but working as an art in the art department, that was everything. And he was like, no, you know, your portfolio is good, but I don't think you want to work there. And I said, no, I do. And he goes, no, I think it would be better with some licensing. Like, you want to be a famous artist? And I said, yeah. He's like, you want an art career, right? He said, you're not going to get it here. So let's do some licensing. So he gave me a multi-million dollar licensing contract that offered me all the rights to all the trademarks uh, and intellectual property of Playboy using the word, the wow. hef's likeness, the logo, everything. The only thing I couldn't use was the actual covers because those were considered artwork of other people. But I could create my own covers of any kind. So that was what I did. And I entered the fine art world with that under my belt. I didn't do nudity. It was all fine art oil on canvas. And I traveled as a bunny all over the world and as an artist all over the world as the official Playboy artist. So I was um, really fortunate in, the, in that way to have his support because my art career is what has supported me ever since. There's a lot to, to unpack there with that very quick statement. But um, so basically he gave you the rights to any type of, of painting or whatever it may be using the Playboy logo. You could do that and, and, and create your own work with that trademark involved. Costume, oh, wow. Him. Yeah, all that in my artwork. If you go to victoriafuller.com, there's a whole Playboy section there of my Playboy art. So Playboy doesn't create all their own product. They have licensees. So there's different categories that people can purchase if you get accepted. So there's an apparel. So someone has a t-shirt license. Someone has a toothbrush. Someone has the dog bed. Someone, whatever categories. So he created the fine art category for me. And in my fine art category, actually, I started working with the other licensees if they wanted to use my artwork on their product hmm. so i could be in their lookbook you know because they had to submit everything to playboy in order to go oh we want to put this design on this towel can we do this and they have to it's a lo pretty long process i of course didn't have to do any of that because have said just let her do what she wants because wow. it's art yeah um so i was really fortunate that way and i did have the license for 11 years i uh re-upped it every three years and then somehow it ended on the 11th year i don't remember how but it ended on the 11th year this time and at 11 years and I said, you know, I just, I'm not going to renew it and have said, are you sure? Are you sure you don't want to, this is before he passed away. And I said, no, because I need to like move on with my career and I don't want to be pigeonholed as the play yeah, playboy yeah. artist. And um, I want to, you know what I mean? That's easy to do, but I'm also getting older. And as I get older, you know, saying I'm the playboy artist isn't <laughs> as right, right. great as saying I'm a fine artist on my own. But so anyways, that's the art story. So when you mentioned that you signed a contract, is that a contract that they kind of own your likeness for whenever they want to use it? Or did you sign the contract saying you're going to be a playmate of the month? So the contract at that time was different because there was no dot com and everything. When there was, it had just started. So I was actually the last year where I'd even bought my own name, victoriafuller.com, you know, at, at around that time. It was 96, right? 96 or so? It was 96 when I came out. But I did my pictures two years before oh, that. Oh, wow. Okay. I waited a year and a half to be published. So I was the last one to be able to have a .com. After that, any girls weren't able to, able to do a .com or a fan club site for two years. And Playboy would buy up their name and give it back to them after two years. So the contrast basically said, I'm not going to do nudity with anybody else. I'm not going to work at a ah. strip club kind of thing. And that I was obligated to a certain amount of 
duties and work and stuff like that in order to get the $25,000 playmate fee that they offer you. And the, and the playmate fee sounds really great. $25,000 when you're 23 years yeah. old sounds like a lot of money, but they give it to you over two years. Mm. So they give you first, they give you a check for $5,000, which you get 40% by the government taken out and you, so on and so forth. Right. So they kind of give it to you in chunks because when they gave it to the girls all at once, a couple of the girls just didn't do the jobs or whatever so they so they had to you know modify but that was it's only a two-year contract and then after that they basically just don't you know i mean hef never wanted the girls to do anything they don't he doesn't want them waitressing prostituting stripping posing for the other magazines that are nude that's a definite no-no and it doesn't say that in the contract so to speak and when the contract's over there's it's just kind of a a mental contract. Like if you do those things, Hef's not going to really right. want you at the pension. Yeah. He doesn't want there to be a fine line between women of the night and bunnies. He wanted, he wanted the bunnies to be very classy yeah. and a brand. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, when you took your pictures for two years earlier, do you know it's going to take that long until they finally use them? No. Wow. So how are you feeling about that? Like, are they ever going to use these things? That's a long time. Terrible. It was well, I waited a half a year. I waited because they said oh, I was going to take whatever. And then the January came and they said, mm, you know what, Victoria, we're going to wait till the following January. So they put they said, trust me, you're going to want to be a year later because then you're younger. You're a year earlier. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah, so yeah. they were current longer. And I was like, OK, that's fine. I just thought that they would change their mind. So I was like, sure, of course. Biting my nails because I really wanted it, but I didn't want to say anything like, you know, keep calling or whatever. And then finally they called and they said, okay, we're slated you. So we're going to start filming your wraparounds for your playmate video and filming your video and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, yay. That's amazing. So it worked out. <laughs> you know, who's living large at my house, my three cats, Mr. Mittens, Indy and Snickers. And you know why? Because we switched them to pretty litter. Okay. So it's really me and my wife and my daughters who are living large. Thanks to pretty litter because pretty litters, ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. So no more bad cat smells in the bathroom. Pretty litter crystals last up to a month, so less cat litter box cleaning for all of us and less fighting about whose turn it is to clean the litter box. I got to deal with this fight every single week between my daughters. This makes it so much easier. Pretty litter also ships right to our front door, so no more last-minute mad scramble runs to the store because we're out of kitty litter. And Pretty Litter has another cool feature that makes life just a little easier. It helps us keep tabs on our cat's health. It changes colors so you can monitor early signs of potential illnesses, like urinary tract infections and kidney issues. It's easily the best thing we've done for ourselves and our cats in a very long time. Like I said, Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. Those are two big wins in my house meow. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. So go to prettylitter.com slash Jericho and use code Jericho to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash Jericho. Code Jericho to save 20%. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. How did your life change when you finally were uh, the Playmate of the Month, January of 96? Well, I have to say I did feel different. And they're, you know, they were supposed to tell me when the magazine came out because I was supposed to get one ahead of time or whatever, but they never did. And someone called me and they said, I'm at the newsstand right now in your magazine. I'm looking at it right now. And I'm like, no way. So it was nighttime. So I flew out to meet my friend. I went to the newsstand and it was at night and there was a, a young guy there kind of similar to my age. And he was there. He's kind of closing up. And I bought the magazine 
and I unfolded it. And I'm like, of course, I I had my hair, you know, no makeup on. I don't look like the picture. But I'm like, what do you think of her? (laughs) And he's like, "Eh, she's all right. And that's when I realized no matter what, you're just not going to please everybody. And it's not a reflection of who I am. It's just how things are. So I had a really good learning experience right away that I got to keep my head not inflated because that's going to not work for me. You have to have thin, thick skin for that. You know, you're putting yourself right out there for everything. You do. And also, you know, everybody, one of the things that girls don't take into consideration is they want to look perfect, right? And the centerfold is perfect because they light it perfect. They don't usually airbrush the centerfold. Everyone thinks they do. They do not because of the the lighting system and the, the camera that they use is one of those big cameras with the eight by 10 slides and, you know, the whole thing. So, so that one that you notice, if you ever look, it looks a little bit different than the rest of the pictures. It's not quite as soft or whatever, mm. but um, yeah, just... It was changed my life in so many ways because I just felt like I felt validated that the whole time I was thinking that my life was going in a certain direction and I had these goals in mind that like I was that the universe took care of me, that I was on the right path. Like, okay, this was supposed to happen. I knew it was supposed to happen. It took longer than I thought it would. And it almost didn't happen because I got denied. And then when Playboy denied me the first time, I thought, that's so weird because I really believed in my mind because I've been telling myself since I was not, I really believed in my mind that this was going to happen. So I was like, well, gosh, I got to rethink my life now. And then it happened anyway. So randomly. <laughs> so you mentioned before um, about the Playboy Mansion. So I was there, gosh, back in maybe 2006, maybe. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And you mentioned the bus because you got to take the bus up the hill to get there. You can't just drive what, up. What event was it? Um, I was doing a show at the time. Uh, I can't even remember what event it was. I mean, it was, it was a pretty popular one because it was pretty packed. There was a lot of celebrities there. It was probably in about, I'd say April or May, sometime around then. And it's just, you know, it's funny because you go there and then you know, I'll just tell you kind of the, a few things I remember that I want to hear. You yeah. go there and you go and see there's the grotto and there's a, there's a house. You're like, okay, that's, that's, that's a cool house. You know, it's like, wasn't what I was expecting. It's like, no, no, that's not Hefner's house. Hefner's house is like over there, like on the other side of, of like, there's that big lawn area. Like the, the house we were, I was basically yeah. like the guest house. Oh. Which was like a giant house. Yeah. Not even, but that was his real house was like this giant house. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right, right. But it was like, obviously just to be at the Playboy Mansion was such a big deal. And then when he finally came out, everybody was just like, oh, it's half. And, the, you know, everyone's all excited, but definitely kind of a, a, a magical place when you first walk through those gates. How was it for you when you first went in there? And how much time did you spend at the at the mansion? So the first time I ever went to the mansion was actually New Year's Eve. And so because I was the January oh. bunny because he was still married to Kimberly at the time. And there was, you know, when you became a playmate, one of the things they tell you right away is don't talk to Hef and don't talk to his wife. Don't even attempt. Don't look at her. Just stay away from her. She doesn't want to hear from you, basically. And she's perfectly lovely, by the way. But she, you know, you know, married to Hef. I'm sure she. Sure. You know, she deals with it every day. Yeah. 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 She deals with it every day. So um, so on New Year's, my the issue comes out the month before. So the January issue is out on all the coffee tables in the mansion. The three months that are current are out on the coffee table. But mine's on the top because it's January. So, of course, everybody has to know who I am, right? So I was told not to speak to Hef. So I come, I'm in my gown. My boyfriend's in, I'm in the great hall. My boyfriend's in, my date's in the bathroom. And Hef's ascending the staircase 
with his wife and I'm like, oh my God, there he is, there he is. And he's ascending and everybody's taking pictures and it's a big deal and everything. And he gets down into the foyer and she's like, oh honey, hold on, I have to get something. And she, I forget what she did. She went, she left to go to the kitchen and get something or whatever. So he's standing there with security and I'm standing there and he's looking at me and I'm looking at him and I'm like, oh God, I can't talk to him. And then he starts to, uh, she goes to the outside, you know, with the tented area where the party is. And so he goes to follow her and I grab his arm and I said, Mr. Hefner, Cause I was like, I can't let him go. and might not ever see him again. I said, hi, I just want to introduce myself. And he goes, Oh, hi. And I said, my name's Victoria Fuller. And he goes, Oh, darling, I know who you are. <laughs> and I just went, ah, I don't even remember what happened after that. He walked away and I remember <laughs> not him, like my ears were ringing. I was so excited that this man, it had come full circle for me. <laughs> you know, I know finally your dream came true again. Yeah. So it, so I felt really validated. I felt super validated and I felt like I really, I felt like I had a handle on my life at the time. <laughs> so how did you get to know him if you're not allowed to talk to him? But then you said he eventually ends up giving you the, the trademarks to do your art. Divorce. Ah, he divorced Kimberly? Yeah, the divorce happened within the next two years. It's it's kind of started that night. They weren't too happy. And then the next year, because it was all gowns, it was no lingerie. There was no parties of any kind anymore, mind you. There was no big parties. They had, those had all been gone. Except for New Year's Eve, where everybody wore black ties. Gotcha. You know, everybody was very sophisticated. So the following year, they decided mm, we're going to do another black tie. But then, just before New Year's, I th- or, or the no, the following year, he decided he was going to do a Halloween party, and it backed up sunset. It was a big deal, and because Kimberly had left, hmm. she had moved into the house next door, the the mansion next door, <laughs> and so he moved her in there. And once he moved her in there, he still didn't divorce her. He didn't divorce her until the ch- kids were all both uh, 18 and older. So he didn't have to deal with mm. child support and all that. He just kept, kept care of everything. It's the paperwork, right, right, was right, easier, right, right. I guess, you know, so he took care of everything, but she was, they were, their marriage was ended and he started having all the girlfriends by mm. 98. So that was, I was 96 by 98. Everything was back right. on and business as usual. And I remember the night that she left, it was new year's 1996, Going 97. Yeah. It was 1998, whatever it was going to be 98. And he, and she left. Everybody saw her storm off. And he he had these big glasses, which he didn't wear anymore, but he was wearing them then. And he was sitting in a chair and he was like sitting by the bar outside where the whole party was. And everybody's looking at him because we're not allowed to talk to him. And I had seen her leave. And I told my date, who was going to be my future husband, I said, have sitting there alone and I'm going to go sit with him. So you're going to have to wait. And he goes, no, no, go ahead. I totally understand. So I went over to Hef and I said, I can't imagine you'd want to sit here by yourself. And he said, no, you want to sit in my lap? And I said, yes, I do. (laughs) And I sat in his lap. And the second I sat in his lap, like four other playmates, all blondes, Heather, Kozar, I can't remember all the girls, but um, anyways, they all started to come around and like whatever. And then he got all giddy, started giggling and laughing. And then that was it. He had a girlfriend the next morning. He was back. Yeah, he was back. It's interesting because I'm sure that there was, I mean, you know, it's like working for some of those iconic people, like working for Vince McMahon or, or, or Lorne Michaels or whatever. I mean, there's a certain intimidation factor with guy, with those types of guys and, and people like that. So what was Heff really like? I mean, when you got to know him, tell us a little bit about the man, because he did create this entire empire that's known for beautiful women. So he's obviously very comfortable around beautiful girls, but also very empowering, too, it seems. He is. And he is the ultimate boss. For one, you never talk to him directly about anything unless he initiates. We all right. know that, right? So we mostly talk through Mary O'Connor, who I, 
who passed away just before. Was that like but, his um, assistant or something? Mary O'Connor was my his assistant for over 50 years. She was, oh, wow. I was very near and dear to her. I spent probably five days a week with her. We, I lived practically next door. We became, she was probably the best friend I ever had. I mean, she, she was, we were very, very close. Oh, wow. Yes. When she passed away, I, she left me quite a bit. <laughs> That's how close we were. She was, she was an amazing woman. Wow. Um, but he was very sweet and he was very charming and he was very witty. Like, he had a wit about him that he always had a quick answer. He was always funny and clever, like super clever with his responses. Always a funny kind of a sexual. That's the one thing about being at the Playboy Mansion is you could kind of say stuff and nobody was like, oh, my God, yeah. I'm offended. It's sex in the workplace. It's like, shut up. You know, <laughs> That's kind of what you thing. signed up for. Yeah. <laughs> you no. Know? And it's just like everybody. It, it It was a very serious atmosphere because it was work, but it was also very easy atmosphere because you know we could just talk and communicate and it wasn't like so uh you know formal but hef was very very approachable very charming and very sweet very smart on top of the news he always knew what was going on all the time always you know would watch all the different news every morning and i could always ask him something he always had great answers mm -hmm. you know and especially with movies and everything else he the guy had so much knowledge and did you know he was originally an artist so he has this art background so that was one of the things that we connected on is he's gotcha he's a you know and why he collected so much art was you know that was his love as being a Originally, he wanted to be a cartoon artist. So he has all these cartoons that he did. He's been keeping a journal of himself since he was 17 hmm. years old that he's written every single day to the day of his death. Hmm. Scrapbooks that he wrote in every single day since he was 17. There's 1,200 volumes. But yeah, he was an interesting guy that way. And just always smiling and... um you know, certainly I'd seen him a couple times in a bad mood and you don't expect people like that to ever have a bad mood, but they're people. So they do have bad moods as we all do. But even his grouchiness was still mm -hmm. very charming, to be honest. But he was the other thing was he had all these girlfriends and he had such a love for animals and they all had little dogs and whatever. And 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 all the little dogs always slept in all the bed with him and stuff, you know, with the girls. And he would, you know, upstairs in his bedroom, God bless him. He would step in the dog poop all the time. <laughs> And he would go, oh, oh, he would just like laugh or whatever. He never got mad. He never was like, God damn it. That right, 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 right. Never. He would just be like, oh, oh, stepped in it again. <laughs> the girlfriend said that he was always very sweet about it. So, yeah, I remember, yeah. like I said, when he walked out into the lawn uh, at the one party, I was at the aura. That's the word I was looking for earlier. You could see it. Everyone just gathering around. There's half coming out. And yes. once again, literally. With the pipe and the, like the pajamas, like it's like he really does wear pajamas. I remember thinking that. And I actually, I actually own a set of his pajamas. So he had flannel pajamas. He had a pajama maker his whole life. For the guy was eighty years old when he finally passed away. That made the pajamas. So he would buy the bolt of fabrics from Italy and give them to this guy, and he would he had the patterns. And so Hef made flannel pajamas for himself in the baby blue and for all the girlfriends they got baby pink so when they came to bed you know of course he would wear the blue he didn't wear the silk ones to bed he'd wear the blue ones to bed the flannel ones and the girls would wear the pink ones and so i have a set of each because i did portraits of him and and, and crystal and stuff like that so i have i have those pajamas <laughs> which i haven't washed them. like i'm never gonna wash them i'm just gonna put them in my closet but yeah 
such a such a sweet man and i and honestly i don't know how celebrities do it they're pecked away at constantly and they have one bad day and then it kind of overshadows well, yeah. the thousand good of things course. that they had that they were so nice and generous to everybody and then they have one bad day and it's like oh he's an asshole well so you know he he just really had a way about being around people and and the staff you know they were like he was a great boss to work for nobody ever wanted to quit but he was strict you know, he was like he wanted stuff a certain way, but they loved him so much. You have to be. Yeah, yeah, you do, because you get you get wiggly and people get wiggly. So sure. Exactly. You, if, when you have a vision and it's your you know, it, it's your it's your business. Of course, you're going to want it done a certain way. I understand that. He has a book in the pantry and it has it's like one through 100 and it's all his favorite meals with the pictures of how he wants it on his tray when they bring it to him. <laughs> he likes the salt and pepper here, the, whatever it is, you know. And I asked them, I said, what if you get it wrong? And they're like, he, it's not like that. But, you know, we don't get it wrong. We get it right. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better, too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. What do you think of like um, reading some of the, the, the girls like the Holly Madison's and all that sort of thing? Kind of now talking really bad about him. Quite a lot, actually, it seems. Um, I have to tread lightly on this because we know how cancel culture is. But, um, oh, gotcha. I, yeah. you know, I was there the day that she got there and the day that she left. While her time, while she was at the mansion, and even a little part after she left, her and I were very close. Her and Hef were my child's godparents. Oh, wow. She was integral in having Hef throw my baby shower and having it be on the girls next door. And Oh, okay. Um, she was integral in a lot of things, I believe, even in my licensing, because, you know, she she and I were so close and she always wanted the. it felt like she always wanted the best for me. So she would always champion me, you know, to Hef, like, oh, let's go to her. We, she, she made sure Hef went to all my art shows, everything. So coming back to how do I feel about it? Very disappointed and mm. and quite frankly, sad that someone had the opportunity to have an amazing opportunity being with Hef and the opportunity that she's chosen to take has turned into profiting off of being very negative. And I, I don't mm-hmm. support that in any way. Although, you know, with this Me Too movement, what she experiences, what she experienced, and it's not for me to decide whether right. she did or not. I do find it very interesting that for someone that feels so badly about someone that um, abused her, that she continues to make money off of him. Mm -hmm. So in that sense that it just, she just can't stop talking about him and her time there. Right. You know, I mean, her whole point of doing the podcast and the book was to let people know her story. Well, she released the book twice. So the book was already released. So people heard her story. Then they heard her story again. And then the podcast is the podcast is like they show an episode of Girls Next Door and they go, oh, see there, see there, see, I'm smiling. And it looks like I'm really happy. But deep inside, I'm not happy. And I wish I wasn't there and I didn't want to wear what I was wearing. And see, it looks like I'm really 
Like I'm like really into him at HEP at the moment, but that I wasn't, I was really. So if you want to rewrite history, that's all fine. But to me, I don't find it interesting and I'm, and I'm not going to be a patron of their product of any kind, if you will, just because I don't want to support, support any of that. Now, do I think like Sandra Theodore, do I think she really had a hard time with Hef? I think she did. I think she's the only one that actually was in love with him. And I think her situation's very different than everybody else. It was a different time and there was different things. And you can't paint a brushstroke of who Hef was and what his actions were from the 70s to the 80s to the 90s to 2000s because laws changed, number one. Mm-hmm. It was okay to film people. They're in your bedroom in the 70s, right? But it's not right, okay right, now. Yeah. So for for them to go, oh, and by the way, he filmed everybody and they didn't know it. And uh, Well, that's not exactly true. You know what I mean? I mean, that was true at one time. But then when that was illegal, then it's like, okay, well, we're not doing that anymore. And when this is – so it's, it's kind of like – and Heff will tell you himself, I mean, he said it many times, he's an open book and warts and all, he's pretty honest about who he was. And people might not agree with his lifestyle, but he did put himself out there pretty transparently, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And also to just add one last thing, one of the well-known things that Heff does with every woman that comes into his life, and I've heard this from, oh, I don't know, 20 different girlfriends now that have spent a lot of time with him. He says this, would you like to move in and be my girlfriend? Here's a list of things that, here's my expectations. I'm not going to, this, I need, here's a curfew. There's this, you're going to get this kind of a check. You're going to, you know, here's my list. Are all these things okay with you? And if they're okay with you, do you want to be my girlfriend? And when they say yes, and then all of a sudden they're freaking surprised when they, you know, because, yeah, yeah. So I don't necessarily feel bad. And also here, here's the other thing is it's funny because Bridget spent the same amount of time as Holly and had a completely different experience. Yeah. In the same situation too, because she was one of the three, right? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so that's, so that's a disappointing thing, but you know, good for her that she's found a way to um, continue to support herself. And unfortunately it's on the backs of people that, made her so that's what's unfortunate okay well last thing about playboy is there kind of some kind of uh, no that's great well said good job victoria well said very uh, politically correct is there some kind of like an alumni uh like i'm envisioning and this is probably not the case but like 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 a, a car a membership card or like do you have a meeting or is there do you have any kind of fellowship with your with your, your play, playmate sisters, I guess you'd say? Well, I do with my NFT project. Um, right. Rogue, yes. Rogue Bunnies. Good segue. Yes. Rogue Bunnies. So basically, I've uh, I ventured into blockchain uh, cryptocurrency in 2017. And by 2020, I felt this is the, the nutshell of the of the story. But basically that I wanted to create something um, because of the trajectory of Playboy's target audience. Has, it's just their whole everything had changed. And the magazine was gone. How they dealt with the playmates was different. No more Hef, no more Mansion. All of us still get tons of fan mail asking us for signatures and to buy photos and, you know, all kinds of things. And there just isn't really a place. Social media is a one-way communication. Oftentimes we don't even see, you know, we're not communicating with the hundreds of messages that comes in. And the more 
people that follow us, the less we can communicate with the people that do. And so I wanted to do something with my art and I wanted to do something with the playmates. I, I wanted to control our intellectual property, which have taught me so much about intellectual property, is to have control of it and also to be able to access our fans and community on our own terms outside of the magazine and Playboy. I don't want them controlling who, what, where, why. Right. But I also don't want them controlling the legacy of who I am as a playmate. And right now that legacy is being pretty much turned into not good stuff. And so to create a solution for that, creating an NFT project, bringing in a hundred Playboy bunnies who all want to follow me into Web3 and go rogue, hence the name Rogue Bunnies, and do our own thing and create our own content and our own collectibles and our own community and kind of in line with what Hef was doing with sports, music, culture. You know, he always had the best of everything. So he used all of those things to bridge the gap between social differences, religion, race, gender, whatever it was, put everybody on a level playing field of like, look, we're all at a party. Let's have a good time. We're all people. Let's connect over sports and music and concerts and different things. And so that is the idea around Rogue Bunnies. We've, we are on several different chains. We're, um, we're on different blockchains with different product. We are with one of the biggest NFT gaming companies in the world. It's called, um, uh, oh my God, I'm Dapper Labs. Oh my God, I got so much going on. So Dapper Labs is a <laughs> $7.5 billion company. They invented the ERC721 token, which is the um, NFT, which is means non-fungible token, which they also call the phrase, phrase. And they do all the sports and NBA top shots, NFL. So they do our trading cards. So we're in a really good place with a really big name for our digital collectibles. And then we have other collectibles that are on different chain. And um, we do in real life events, we do metaverse, and we have a token gated area for anybody that holds any of our NFTs of any level. And that's where all the playmates are. So you can access the playmates 24 hours a day. Right now we have 46 of them in our discord chatting away to our holders. And then um, we're going to have in real life events going forward throughout the year. We've already had two at the Ziggy Hotel in Hollywood where we had Scott Page from Pink Floyd. He has a band called The Fix and they played all Pink Floyd for two hours each night. So we have a bunch of engagement going on. We have poker nights. We have other trivia nights. We have all kinds of engagement with, with the uh, with the community that we've built so far. It's a great way to to extend your your brand, like you mentioned. Like I've, I've had a, a couple NFTs. I'm actually working on oh, NFT cool. graphic. Yeah. yeah. I'm working on an NFT graphic novel right now. So I, I'm totally amazing. Because the thing is too, Victoria, for people who don't understand NFTs, it's like, oh, it does it. It's stupid. It's dumb. For people that do understand it, it's becoming like, I'd say about five years from now, everything is going to be NFT. Yes, because the application for NFT is super strong, super secure. If they applied it to like, say, our political voting for like, say, the presidency, there would be a lot less um, chatter about cheating and all this other stuff. But of course, I don't think they want, I don't think they're ready for absolute, <laughs> you know. I mean, you're right, but, but it's, it's like if, if, if I handed you, let's say, I don't know, 10 years ago, I hand you a DVD of my new movie. So here's my new movie. And you said to me, you know, in 10 years, DVDs will be obsolete. Right. It's all gonna be streaming. You'd be like, you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. You're nuts. That's kind of what's going on with NFTs yeah. now. You get the same pushback to it, but when you know exactly what it is, it's like I have a Wayne Gretzky rookie card mm -hmm. and I have no idea where the f it is. It's in my house somewhere. I don't know where this thing is. If it was an NFT, 
You would always know where it is. You would never lose it. And you've still got it, right? Yeah, it is. It is an interesting concept for people to wrap their heads around. And it's it's not as elusive and mysterious as people might think, because it's a pretty straight up process. I think the more um, the harder part about NFT is is basically the marketing and the setting and the setting up of selling you know what i mean creating the right. nft and putting it together is no big deal it's it's the art of getting it out to the public which is the hard part well, yeah yeah just just getting people to accept what it is like i, I know when when i had my first one and people were like well, why can't we just record it instead of buying it and I, you mentioned the louvre earlier it's like you could go to the louvre and i could take a picture of the mona lisa and i could print it out and put it on my wall it's not the Mona Lisa not and you can do the same Lisa. with the NFT. There's only a certain amount that are the originals and that's kind of how they, how you can buy and sell them. Well, not only that, but the coding also dictates authenticity and ownership. So there's, so there's those two things, just like the Mona Lisa has the signature of the artist and it, hang, yes. it hangs. I mean, those are the, it, it, that's the kind of the same thing as the coding. We know who owns it and we know who did it. So there's no fudging that, you know, and, and also and also the security of, well, it's secure and not secure, right? Because decentralized finance is insecure for those who possibly aren't that savvy with it. You can lose your money very easily and yeah. you can also get scammed very easily if you are, if you don't know, you know, the pitfalls of, of um, people trying to scam you, getting into your hacking into you, whatever. But um, for me, I find it very exciting to keep the government at bay, at least at the moment, to keep the government at bay and in less control over what I'm doing. Um, you know, I'm not doing anything wrong. And certainly I still follow all the guidelines as though the government was involved because, you know, when it comes all down to it, you got to be prepared for that because a lot of people that were starting to do their taxes with the NFTs and were cashing it in, we're getting, it's like 55% or something if you don't hold on to it for more than a year. So. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Do you um, also have some of your art as the NFTs as well? Well, I'm the lead artist on the project, so I, it is all my art. Okay, so so I, I guess I was wondering, so is, is, is some of the NFTs uh, the actual uh, pictures of the girls or is it all artwork? Sure. So uh, with the with the trading cards with uh, Dapper Labs, we start with photographs. So and these are all photographs that the girls own. It's non it's all our own content. And then myself and another artist there's clothing that's painted on. So there's different levels. So there's common, uncommon, rare, legendary, oh, see. Okay. epic. And so for the common, uncommon, and rare levels, we paint on clothing, but the first painting of the clothing looks very sketchy and then a little bit more detail in the uncommon. And then the rare has all the detail. And the legendary and epic card are just two other images that are usually like headshots that are like, you know, cause those are the very um, high level ones. So that's kind of what we were doing as far as the art with the trading cards to bring an art element to it along with, they are animated cards, you know, it's all digitized, whatever, but that spin around and they look like they're in plexiglass. These ones, the second series is really cool. First series came out 
um, a couple months ago, series two. So every series has 25 bunnies in it. And series two already came out series. I mean, series one came out. Series two is about to come out end of February. So we're, okay. so we're gearing up for that. Mm -hmm. And we do all kinds of challenges. We're in the Dapper wallet. And the thing to know about the Dapper wallet is, is it's super easy to integrate into NFTs and everything because all you need is a debit card or a credit card. Oh, okay. And you go to the website. It's not even an app. You go to roguebunnies.com and you go to buy the NFTs and it automatically sets up your wallet and your profile of your Dapper wallet. So you don't even have to do anything. You don't have to get an exchange. You don't have to buy cryptocurrency or anything. And it's all shown in USD. So you never have to look at cryptocurrency through the Dapper wallet. And all the challenges are through the Dapper wallet. So we have all these great features where you collect and you win prizes. So that's all set up and you can, it's all visualized through it's all the visuals are through the dapper wallet so there's a lot of great perks with being um with the trading cards and again it's another way for these collectors to collect in a new way these their same favorite girls all the playmates but in a new way a modern way and it, at first people are a little like oh, i don't know but now we're starting it's starting to take off and people are like okay this is really cool because not only do they get to collect us but they get to talk to us like we do sure. Twitter spaces and they get to actually meet the girls and have a, a conversation with them where they're answering questions. It's it's a lot more intimate even than when we were playmates with the magazine, you know, mm -hmm. and being sent mm -hmm. out and stuff. It's it's a whole different ballpark. Yeah, it's smart to get in now, especially too when you're kind of getting on the ground floor of that. Last few things. You mentioned something earlier I wanted to ask you about. How has the Playboy realm changed after Hef passed away and after you know print magazines have kind of disappeared it's kind of moved all into the website now so it dramatically changed well just before hef died he did sell the company right okay. he took it private he bought up all the stocks whatever and then took it private and then sold it and then so then we had all these executives running the company for four four or five years before hef passed away so he was able so he sold the mansion he sold the magazine Oh, okay. He was able to live in the mansion until he passed away. He sold the he sold the mansion to the guy who owns Hostess Cupcakes, who bought all his mansions. He bought the mansion next door that Kimberly was living in, and he also owns the Playboy Mansion. They were built at the same time, anyway. And so, um, so before he died, he it was all executives, and they brought it public again, right? Mm -hmm. And when they did that. Uh, they also brought in a bunch of new people that were very 30 in their thirties, a bunch of women that were very woke and in their thirties. And it took a very different spin on everything. They actually tried to change the logo right from underneath. Oh, wow. That didn't fly. Hef's like, no, we're not changing it. She's like, well, it needs an upgrade. He's like, it doesn't. And then they decided they don't really care about the playmates. And they took to make extra money. They took all of our pictures that they ever took of us. And they sold them to a porn company for clickbait. Oh my gosh. Canada. Wow. I have never done that. And so that's why whenever you pull up, you know, any of the girls were, it just looks like we do porn and it's, of course it's not. Yeah. So, and then they, then they did a slew of like weird things after Hef died where, you know, some of the playmates and God bless them that they had that, but they were, they were kind of off the, they were off the, um, off the reserve. They were just different than what we were used to looking at in the magazine. And it, and it very much changed. Let's put it this way. The view, the followers on Instagram for Playboy went from 26, 27 million to nine. Wow. So I don't know where they're at now because I don't, I haven't followed them. I haven't checked them out in a while. You can probably look, but, um, that happened e like immediately that started going down. And then, you know, with 
having um, transsexuals and stuff in the magazine, I think it kind of turned a bunch of men off and then they took the nudity out and then they put it back in. They, they just, they tried too many things and it just kind of muddied kind of what Playboy was. Now their whole slogan is uh, pleasure for all. And they're very 420 and they're into the porn and all the very, you know, all the various things. And so um, it's just a very, it's not the girls next door and like this Playboy lifestyle. It's just like a, it's just a different lifestyle. So that's how it really changed. It just there wasn't a place for the playmates anymore. I'll be honest. Right. There was nowhere for us to go, and and not having the mansion. I was there five days a week. Not having the mansion to go to was. <laughs> were you there working five days a week? Is that why you were there no, so much? No, I was there. Or just hanging. I was there <laughs> living my life and hanging right. out with the people I love, including Hef. And my daughter was when the well was the only child that was allowed up there on hmm. for reg you know she was on she was on her own list she'd come up just like i could and and <laughs> hef loved her he was he just he adored her so yeah so yeah that that changed a lot not being able to go up to the mansion was probably the hugest shock of all because there's a core group of people that hef made as his inner circle there was about 50 to 80 of us and um they are mostly an older crowd because his friends are older so it's a lot of yeah sure people. they just didn't have anywhere to go anymore <laughs> like yeah yeah, 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 have, yeah you know like you know, I have my daughter and I have, I have all kinds of stuff, but some of these people retired and this is their whole life was going to see Hef on the mm -hmm. Hanging out at the mansion. Yeah. And yeah. So, so that is the bummer, but hopefully with this new um, breath of life, bringing the band back together, as I'd like to say, kind of brings a little bit of um, nostalgia back and um, getting the girls, you know, kind of put back into the mode mm -hmm. of wanting to be, um, to meet, and get associated with their community. Last question for you. What's your, uh, your favorite memory of being a Playboy Playmate? Is the one that stands out? Mm. Or a few? Well, I can remember one because I've talked about it just recently. So I got hired to go to Blackhawks game in Chicago and shoot the puck for charity. So I went. And the two days before I had um, been practicing for the amazing race. So we did this bungee jumping thing in Vegas. And I got scared and screamed so loud I broke the blood vessels in one of my eyes so when I went to the hockey thing to shoot the puck I had a thing and they said just say you got hit by a hockey puck so I did and that was the funny joke whatever <laughs> and so I was wearing my leather pants and my high heels and they walked me out onto the ice and, but just before that I, I talked to the hockey team and the thing and I said I don't I don't even know how to hold a hockey stick can someone just show me so I just don't look like a total ass right. and the goalie's like I'm gonna show you whatever so he worked with me for like 20 minutes and I said okay in the hallway down underneath and I said okay I think I'm ready so they walked me out to the thing there was a piece of rug it's halfway you know, on half court or whatever of the ice. And the the thing to get the, the puck in is like this, but you get $50,000 towards a charity and nobody had right. gotten it in over a year. So nobody was expecting. So you get two tries. And so I go out there, I'm on the red piece of carpet and I'm like, my heart is beating and I go and I make it in. And the whole place just like, explodes. you're kidding me. No, I made it in. And <laughs> never felt so famous. In my, the whole place, just, everybody was on their toes. And then, of course, they said, you want to shoot it again? And I said, there's no way I'm making nope. it again. <laughs> yeah. Just do it. You always get you always get two. So, of course, I shot it and I got close, but I didn't make it. But it was the most exciting night. And I did get to keep the puck and the pictures of me. They sent pictures of me shooting the puck. So that was pretty exciting. <laughs> I'm a hockey fan That's now. Amazing. I've been to a couple games since. It's impossible to score in that little, like you said, that little slot is like this big. So that's I don't know how I did it. It was 
that that just was a total luck thing but certainly i was so proud of myself i was like yes i'm very athletic anyway so it's not too far off but it is far away that's yeah. amazing awesome. well victoria it's, it's been awesome talking to you today and uh congratulations on all your success thank you talk to you soon okay